Hi, everyone. My name is PK, and here I have Al Halim, who is a client of the Property Investment Accelerator. He's bought a couple of properties through the course, but really this episode is not about the course. It's not about those properties, but rather Al sort of volunteered his time to take us all on his journey, you know, in terms of how he got into property, all the kind of misinformation and too much information and overwhelm and conflicting pieces of advice that he was kind of having to swim in and navigate. Because I know a lot of you will be that are watching and listening will be going through the exact same thing. So he's going to take us through on that journey and ultimately how he kind of cleared that all up, demystified it, and actually achieved some fantastic results in property, which we'll get into as well. He is also a strategy consultant. So very, I would say like analytical, a bit like me, like quite analytical for better or worse, you know, that can be a bad thing as well. Um, but yeah, he's, he's got that sort of mindset. And so data and all these sort of things are right down his alley. So I think everyone will get a whole bunch of really valuable lessons and just real life anecdotes that they can hopefully resonate with and sort of use and apply to take the next step in your own property investing. So thank you so much, Al, for, for making time. My pleasure, PK. Welcome to the Oz Property Investment Mastery Podcast. My name is PK and I help busy people build passive income by buying top 5% growth and cash flow property and build a portfolio using data without wasting months doing research, spending weekends at inspection or catching flights or dropping ten dollars to $20,000 on buyer's agents every single time. So if you're confused, lack confidence and just overwhelmed with all the information and marketing misinformation available online and don't know where to start, then this show is for you. I'm super excited. I don't get to interview a strategy consultant every every day of the week. But um, what, what's like, let's just start from the start, even way before the course or anything. Sure. Um, like you, you started becoming interested in real estate. Was it like 10 years ago or something? Yep. Yep, that's right. So back then, I was just looking really at at my options for investment. Mm-hmm. Back then, I, I was renting by myself. We're still, by the way, renting. So we are what's called investors. Okay. Back then, I was looking really for options either to buy, to live in, or really to invest. I started that journey back then speaking to different consultant financial planners when they were offered through through the banks back then. I did not have the chance to work with them before that. But, but later on, through through my consulting journey, I had the opportunity to work really with those firms and looking how can implement some of, of those um, reg around there. So that was the journey. Um, I spoke to a few and I got, you know, all all those you know insights around that kind of secrets that you can buy a property and the government will pay for it through your tax and things that don't make sense all the thing around buying uh, buying of the plan apartments and you can achieve all those results but when i asked the question like around can you show me case studies can you show me numbers i don't get that then really reading the books and, and unfortunately a lot of these books are written by mainly kind of sales agency or or kind of um, big big firm that do kind of um, one-stop shop. And also like when I speak to them after reading the book, it just did not really click for me as well. So that right. was the journey. Um, but also I believe that kind of uh, analytical mind also maybe caused me and kind of analysis paralysis. So I spent a lot of years just really not having um, uh, 
kind of confidence or faith, I would say, in the industry. Back then, I was like, okay, this is really kind of, you can't trust anyone. So maybe you better stay kind of conservative, keep your money in the bank. Mm -hmm. I don't trust anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, Let's just unpack that because that that sounds a lot like me, actually. Like I kind of lost trust in the industry when I started because all these seminars and it's just like really gross. Um, Like for you, what actually got you into property in the first place? Like what got you interested? Did you, was it just the marketing and the advertising from these firms or did you have any family or friends or colleagues or acquaintances that had done well already? Yeah, actually, that's 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 really a good point. I had back then a few few uh, friends who invested like properties, and their their point was like, it's kind of no brainer, right? Mm-hmm. That's what you do in Australia. You build wealth. You 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 invest in properties. But even even though back then I had kind of values uh, back then conflict that you know like I had that kind of image about landlords and I want to be the greedy landlord, etc. So mm-hmm. it took me some time just to shape my views around really what would be kind of ethical way of investing in property. But also, I believe an important aspect there is that most of, of your circle, social circle, they know what they know. So for most of my friends, it was kind of no-brainer. You buy an apartment in the blue chip uh, areas, like Kuji in Sydney or Bondi or Glebe, that's where you buy a property or apartment and you can't go wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, but, but then for me, it was like, if it is that easy, if it's that clear, then why not... Everyone is buying in those in those areas, right? And if it worked for you, does that mean it's going to work for me? Just really looking at numbers back then, liabilities, etc. I did not have the confidence that yes, this right. is the right way to go. Right. So, like, when that was ten years ago, yeah. when did you buy your first property, and like, what what was the yeah. what was the journey to get there? <laughs> Absolutely. So, just maybe uh, exactly two years ago, that's where we bought the first. First property. It was just after COVID. Uh, a market here in Sydney was starting to um, boom, I would say, and 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 become really hot. We started looking at different areas, and that's where really like all the learning or the reading I've been doing, I started putting it really to to the tests. But that way, also I appreciate like now for everyone who's buying now, there's a lot of emotions, and you get different opinions from your friends who you think they are the experts, mm-hmm. and some of them based on good intentions. Uh, even others, they have some kind of agendas. They work in the industry, you know, they'll try to sell you something they have on stock. So that was kind of journey. Uh, anyway, we bought the first one in Southwest Sydney. Back then, uh, it was really um, emotional journey. We, we just uh, took um, a leap of faith, as they say, and we bought a house south of Sydney. Uh, is that like in the Liverpool area or, or where? Uh, no, it is down towards down towards Campbelltown okay. area. The suburb is, is kind of nice suburb. It's, it's an owner-occupier suburb. It's called Cairns. Sure. So it's it's nice, nice area there. So we bought the first one. We were lucky. We bought it for 680 back then. And and now it's valued at 850 mm-hmm. And it really helped us as a foundation property to build the portfolio to take equity and, and keep buying. So. Right, right. And I just want to unpack this a little bit because, um, well, I mean, glass half full or glass half empty from 10 years ago when your initial interest was peaked in the property market to two years ago when you bought your first investment property. There's obviously a period of eight years in the middle. 
eight years in which the Sydney property market, I don't know, probably doubled eight years in which, you know, you could have made, I'm trying not to be negative here, right? Like you could have made hundreds of thousand dollars. Like what, even during that time, like, did you, I know you were kind of um, frustrated and you kind of lost uh, like trust in the property market or people in the property market, but were there any points at which you were like, Oh, I can see like people making so much money in the property market. Let me give it another go, or let me, I don't know, Google try find a different firm or company to try to help me. Did did that go through your head? Absolutely, absolutely, and and uh, I did. Like I searched a lot of firms, and even like some of them would write new books come the market, become what they call bestseller. I would read the books, reach out to them. They will do what they call a strategy call. Then they will sit with you for the numbers, but they will find out they have a form ready for you to sign and something, you know. I just pay something deposit here and you have a, yeah, that that again did not really help me with that confidence. I spoke to others where they would charge you upfront around four percent, five percent, and that for me did not make sense as well. I'm putting the risk and I'm paying uh those firms upfront and they have no skin in the game. So like so uh, that kind of made it difficult for me. There were a few times where I was ready to pull the plug and I'm ready I did not because most of these firms they were offering you know house house and land packages. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still believe maybe that would have been better than me sitting in the fence, but mm-hmm. still, when I looked at numbers, it did not make sense to me back then either. Right, yeah. right. And at this, uh, sorry if this is a little bit personal question, but yeah. 10 years ago, Absolutely. like you were, were you in like your 20s at the time or 30s at that time? Just trying to 30s. gauge like... Early yeah. 30s, yeah. Early, Early 30s, 30s and, and you were single, you were saying, right? You weren't, That's right. Uh, you weren't That's right. married at the time. Okay, and so fast forward now eight years, you've got your first property. What happens next? Really, uh, what what happened next is really confidence that yes, it's kind of actually doable. You don't need those kind of gurus to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe back then the market was good in Sydney, so I, I could see you know property uh, value was really uh, appreciating every week. I could mm-hmm. see it increasing by five k, ten k. So that was really giving confidence. When we went through the kind of journey, leasing and working with property managers, renovating, working with with like uh, uh, trade and innovation, that kind of gave us a sort of learned lesson and confidence. So like, okay, maybe maybe I should do this again. And that's where I started looking really around. Does it make sense that's only Sydney? Right? There should be other kind of markets. And that's where I started looking and maybe looking at my uh, kind of books I had and, and all the kind of learning, looking at what back then I thought really the key data factors, like where we should buy using those kind of key data factors. But now I know, thanks to UBK, that most of these factors are not that important, right? The mm-hmm. whole study about uh, about the growth, population growth, you know, uh, infrastructure, that's not necessarily mean anything, but that's where I started looking at those factors. And uh, I looked at a suburb in uh, South Perth, uh, around Rockingham area. Yeah. That's where we got the second second property. And mm-hmm. I believe we were lucky as well. We went there quite early. That was around uh, the end of 2021. Yeah, that was good timing. That was good, good timing then. So we got really good good property. And that's where I could see really kind of the journey, how, how it works. And, right. and that's where we had more kind of confidence. Mm-hmm. We could see the wheel started to move. Uh, I started following different, different channels. Uh, like my friends who used to be the expert, now I had more kind of context that okay. guys, I believe there is a different way of doing this or you have been missing this, this and that. Uh, I believe 
it was, it was around that time when I spoke with one of my friends and and, and ex colleague, and that's what that's when he kind of mentioned you, mm-hmm. and he kind of invited me to join the group, Facebook group, and have a look, start having a look at your content, mm-hmm. which kind of resonated to me. But back then, for some reason, I was kind of on a mission. I want to keep building the portfolio, so I went I and bought the third one. Okay. Uh, which was in um, uh, South Brisbane, one one of the suburbs in Logan areas, not sure. kind of the bad pockets, but one yeah. of the good. It was once again good, good timing at around that time. Oh, very good, good time. Yeah, it was it was around early twenty two. Yeah, so that's where we bought the third one, uh, and that's where I I was watching more of your content and decided mm-hmm. to take the course myself and and, and my partner. During that time, we're taking the course. I believe it just happened. I was I was looking already in kind uh, uh, of Townsville, and yeah. I had I had the feeders over there, so I got an opportunity. I was still doing the course, so me, myself, and, and my partner were like, "Shall we wait for the course or or just get yeah. this one?" My partner was like, "Let's wait for the course." I was like, "This looks good. Maybe I should just sign it." <laughs> now, now when I'm looking back, I wish if I finished the course first, but that's okay. where we got our our fourth property in Townsville. Okay. Okay. And so like, let me just ask you a really obvious question. So you've, sure. you've already made money in like, it was a bit of a, a delayed start from 10 years ago, but then sure. you went quick acceleration, Sydney, Perth, Townsville. So like, you've got these two or three properties. Why did you like even do the course? Um, I hope I'm not shooting myself in the foot by asking this, <laughs> but like you already Absolutely. like, you know, timed Perth really well in that Rockingham area, like, and Sydney at that time, like everyone knows, or everyone thinks that I don't like investing in Sydney, but actually like, Clients were buying it in Sydney in 2020, 2021, and before that as well. It's just now it's just overheated and the yields are terrible. So, like, I know you, it was a reference, like one of your friends had recommended, but like, and I really want to pick up on this, Al, because there will be a lot of people who are watching this who potentially don't need the course. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're, yep, they're doing just fine. So, like, why did you end up doing the course? Yeah, absolutely. Because, like, before really taking that decision, I was, I was, I was watching your uh, videos and 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 content. And yeah. back to that uh, analytical mind, it kind of clicked with me. Like, okay, I'm looking at that, I understand the chart, understand where we're coming from, and and all this kind of way of looking at data, interpreting data, right? Correlation versus just casual effect, etc. I was like, actually, this kind of makes sense. And back then, I kind of realized maybe I know only what, what I know. So maybe there is another side, which, which I don't know, right? And, and for me, it was every time when, when kind of buy the property, it is, it is what we call um, confirmation bias. Mm-hmm. I made a decision on this suburb and this property. Now, let me do the analysis if this was a good decision or not. not you why find reasons why I say something. Exactly. Well, ideally, I want to start the other way around, right? That data drive us towards the decision. That was really the key, the key thing for me. And and also PK, you um, you always touch on these three C's, you call them, and that was the main reason, right? The competency, the character, and care. And that was kind of to me uh, obvious in your in your conduct, etc. So, so for me, it was a trust. I could see someone trust. And you're not trying to sell anything. That was the key thing for me. You're not trying to sell me a property or trying to sell me, you know, house and land package, etc. The other thing is really competency i could see that you have put a lot of thoughts behind it hmm. and for me that was the thing i was kind of missing in that journey right uh, when i look back really if i look at uh efficiency the key one i believe like maybe before 
would take me longer time to really find those suburbs and properties and a lot of lot of guessing and second guessing and doubting your decisions. That's one key thing. Now I know a lot of the mistakes I have made in previous property, right? And that's where you go through in detail. So whether it comes at kind of uh, kind of pocket level or suburb level or timing level, like being aware of cycles. If mm-hmm. I look at maybe my property in Brisbane, maybe I bought it at the wrong time of the cycle, but it's still good. Still, I'm, I'm still yeah. thankful. But those one, those probably the key thing. But then I believe having that kind of framework, the end to end, like a repeatable, as you call it, framework, a process, where you know how how you start from data, micro level, micro level, down to the property. How do you manage how to add value? Mm-hmm. It became like kind of changing the mindset and also shaped or maybe changed a lot of conceptions I had before around mm-hmm. what matters and what doesn't matter. Really, so I believe all that, all that kind of nuance helped a lot with the efficiency. Right. That's where we been when we went to property five and six and seven. It was more kind of sharp focus, etc. And even later on, like when I'm helping friends or helping other clients, it's just really that kind of that kind of message I really help them. It's more about what I call it unlearn most of misconception we have in the industry and just really looking at data and the key important factors. And so, like, what are your are you like more successful <laughs> or like, do you know more about property than your friends now? Like, do they kind of look at your property decisions with a, like a, an eye of doubt thinking like, Oh, this is not a Sydney. This isn't your typical house and land package. Like Al, what have you done? Or, or have they like found a new found, like respect for you because you've done things differently to them and, and perhaps, you know, achieved great results. Absolutely. Some of them have that respect and like good and new, you have achieved that kind of knowledge. And some of them would call me expert, which I I don't honestly. Mm-hmm. All learning is kind of a journey. But yes. like, others for them, it just makes no sense. For like you are rent vesting, like, <laughs> like like you're kind of paying a rent for someone while you have a lot of properties. So then what's the point? For them, they come from that mindset that you should should pay your uh, own home first, then you go and invest, etc. Others are like how come you invest in like properties or areas you haven't visited yourself? Right. How come how come you bought in Perth or Brisbane, but you haven't been there yourself? So it's really around different really perceptions and different perspectives. Right. And 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 what is your answer to that? Because I still get asked almost on a daily basis that look, you know, PK, I get it. The data is very powerful. Like, you know, makes sense. You can't argue with that. But I still want to be able to go to that property before I buy it, smell the air. You know, like that subjective, qualitative yes. feel of the place. Yeah. Um, if you're not getting that, then what if the real estate.com.au pictures are false? What if, you know, it's actually completely different to how they look online? Like what that level of due diligence is completely lacking. I mean, you and I know that it's not yes. lacking, but how do you answer it when a friend or someone else asks you? Yeah, absolutely. Like I would tell them, for example, uh, I would never know more than those questions would go there and invest. Like even now when we go, for example, of, of anyone would go for for, for inspection, you'll just see what you know or what you can see, right? You'll just see what you can see. You're not a professional that you can go and assess the structures. You're not a professional who can look from outside and see that kind of rental appeal, right? You're not mm-hmm. someone who will do that kind of search for the pocket and tell you sort of the things you should be, be mindful or, or kind of aware. So this is where my view, like a visit or like a visual inspection inside inside a property wouldn't really tell you much. While relying on those professionals to do the inspections, the structural inspection, even even beyond that, 
and also bringing like property managers who can give you like a professional opinion right around kind of rental appeal even like sales appeal if you want to start down down the track they will give you history about about really that that side of the street the history like 10 years history what has changed in that street how many properties they have sold who lives in that street even right do you have good pocket bad pocket good neighbors bad neighbors i can't get that myself i just go and, and see yeah. yeah it's really a mindset thing and um i think that a lot of especially like immigrants um of which i'm one uh although i maybe i'm in a different category because i you know we came when i was i was very small a, a lot of recent immigrants there's that sort of bias that i know assets are good real estate is good but i need to be able to drive past it every week Absolutely. if i want to i need to be able to touch it every month if i want to like i don't know which uh which country you're originally from al and and what the kind of real estate market is like over there or what the mindset is there but especially amongst like chinese korean indian sri lankan pakistan like all Absolutely. this sort of subcontinent area it's a very old school mindset and i think you know the different you know horses for courses different strokes for different folks but if you're able to change your mindset and actually like just leverage professionals exactly like you said then all of a sudden you can invest anywhere in australia wherever the data leads you and you can constantly invest it's not like today's a good time to invest and next year it's not it's always a good time it's just where the 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 question is where not if do, do you not do you agree with that absolutely 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 there are around 15000 suburbs in australia and there's always opportunities as you said like once once you change that kind of mindset and you look really at opportunities and how to really identify good opportunity as you said that's where really there is a lot of lot of potential yeah amazing and and so what does your sort of partner think of like your property investing or did you have to convince her to kind of get into it or was she always like you know that so inclined yeah uh, honestly i'm very thankful for for her support and and understanding like being being busy with that journey sometimes and taking that kind of pressure emotional work also i'm, I'm very thankful for her support but if i look now back like when we started and we were now i can see a lot of change like you kind of mentioned the mindset and the culture i remember we once saw a house it looked good like numbers suburb that it's all looked good but the smell of the house was was not that good and my partner said no I'm not going to buy it I was like this is for investment we can we can change the whole thing <laughs> no I'm not going to buy it <laughs> you can buy it so that's how if the kind of change in mindset now now she's on board now she can understand that she understand the kind of logic so sometimes she would challenge me have you checked this I'm like yes I've checked all those things so if that kind of has changed of things we still have what we believe our own kind of values around investing and that's where I believe that journey has to be and the personal for everyone that's why I believe it's very important to remember the big picture we all have more than we need and we should all be thankful and for for what we have but that's where we really, like the mission why we are investing we are investing on the hope that we can buy our own place at some point we're not trying to build an empire mm-hmm. but also because we are investors so we we see the kind of picture from both ends so really how how we can really be kind of ethical with our um uh, tenants how we can change that image about really landlords and how we really treat treat our tenants the same way we'd like to be treated by, by right right with honor and what do you feel like i'm going to get to your next properties in a second mm-hmm. but like how do you feel about this argument um in you know with with great love and respect um there there are some people who say oh look 
uh, PK, it's people like you and people like like Al who are kind of the problem, you know, because we're like these property moguls, quote unquote, and all of a sudden we're creating property prices to rise. We're taking, I'm just picking up on this point of ethics, which is a really important one. And you're, you know, PKL, you're, you're taking properties away from like people who want to live in them. You're creating more, you know, you're, how do I say you're making renting like more of a thing, home ownership, less of a thing. You know, this is the problem in Australia. Like I know, cause I like talking to you because you're not just in it for the money. You actually have deep values as well. That that's like Mm -hmm. almost your. Um, your spine, you know, your backbone is like doing it for the benefit of others, including your family. So what do you think about like property investors? Are, are we evil or or how do you sort of calibrate that in your own value system? No, absolutely. Uh, in short, my views, it's just really a vehicle or or a mean, like any other real asset. I agree totally. Property has a different kind of nature, I said, because it kind of touch on people's lives, on families' lives, etc. So this is where we really have have some kind of values principles. Like others don't don't agree to it, but but we do it our own way. Uh, we had a lot of discussions myself and my uh, my partner. Like when we see the news, we see really people lining up for rent, and we think, are we really on the good side of this or mm. or not? My views is first we are really kind of trying to offer a service to those who need it in kind of ethical and fair manner. I do believe the key or maybe the root cause here in Australia is really supply. We don't have enough enough supply. And that's where I would like to help in that. At some point, this is my aspiration that I will go into development and we can try really build more. If that's really what, what we need. But back to your question, I believe it's just really a vehicle. You can really treat it good way or bad way. If you look at it from real numbers perspective, if we have a limited number of houses in Australia, if you buy those houses, and you offer them for rent, you are in a way helping. Of course, would help more if we are building more houses. Yes. But for example, in some in, in some countries, as you know, there is more tax if you have a property that's vacant and not rented. Right? Mm-hmm. So I believe if you buy a property and just leave it vacant, you are not helping with that with that issue we have. But mm-hmm. if we are buying an existing property and we are putting it back in the market for rent, and and we are being fair and ethical to our tenants, I believe in a way we are we are helping with that. That's why I believe also as owners or investors, we also have a role to play in terms of the call out and putting maybe some more pressure on the government to maybe own up for this issue and help mm-hmm. with building more supply or maybe help build builders and, and developers to build more supply, etc. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm really all for the kind of tenants' right and making it fair for tenants as well. I know that investors wouldn't agree. But my view, this kind of assets really touch on a lot of people's lives, and mm-hmm. we need to be mindful of that. Right? It might yeah. be easy for us to say, I want to increase around 10 or 20%, but we need to be mindful of what it means for a, for a family. It might be easy for us to say, okay, I will kind of follow the law and give them two months to vacate, but what it means for a family with kids oh. to vacate a property in two months. This is really how, 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 how I would approach yeah. it. Yeah. No, I think... Um... You know, opinions and and value systems like yourselves, you you really need more of a, a platform because people think that property investors all for themselves, but the reality is that most property investors are just really nice people, just like yourself, and okay. we're not there to harm anyone. We're just trying to, you know, get ahead because in Australia, like let's face it, 
if someone else knows another way to get ahead, let me know. But I only really know real estate. Everything else is is really quite difficult, unlike other um, locations around the globe. So we're just really trying to get ahead and doing it in sort of a way that doesn't harm anyone. And we're all for more supply, which is really the panacea or really the the, the solution to the underlying problem of the, of the housing crisis. Um, and also you've got one in, in Brisbane, you've got the Perth one, you've got the Townsville one. What, what did you do next? Yeah, what then I, I did next, I, I kind of looked back, and that's what we call a diagnostic analysis, as you know, like what I was doing right, what I was doing wrong, how can I really shape the kind of process further learned lessons. I was like, okay, based on that, I believe I should target these three suburbs. Mm-hmm. And it was around December last year where I uh, I got one more property in Perth, and at the same time, I got a good opportunity in regional Queensland, mm-hmm. back then uh, central Queensland, back then. And just really, I believe it was it was luck again. So it was good analysis and, and luck. Both, both properties have been in the market for a while. I've been, I've been looking for quite time, mm-hmm. but I believe maybe the selling agents then were, were too busy, were not responsive, and that's where I, I had to, to kind of take things further, I have to call the agencies and just ask them what's happening with this with this property, understanding really the context, and then I put an offer on both of them around around December time. And again, I was really lucky with with these two. Right. Okay. So now you've got five, or is was that your fifth property, or do you have more now? Uh, I've got seven now. Yeah. You've got seven now. Okay, so yeah. the course, after the course, you bought those two, and I know the yes. details of those two, and then you right. bought another two, so you've got seven now. What was the story yes. there? Because you seem to have, like, really, like, trying to make up for lost ground in those, like, lost decade or lost eight yeah. years almost. <laughs> uh, so that that's fantastic. Have you stuck with Perth, or have you gone in regional Queensland, or have you gone somewhere else? Yeah, so I've got regional Queensland. Again, and then we've got regional WA as well, mm-hmm. so, uh, around around Mandra. Right, amazing. And I mean, you're a very analytical person, obviously very intellectual and, and like smart person <laughs> because you're a strategy consultant. Um, what's your thoughts on Perth? Because obviously a lot of people say that, oh, hey, um, Perth, it booms and then busts because that is the most recent experience in 2014. Uh, up to that point, it had a huge run up and then it just basically tanked. Um, by more than 20, even 25%. You know, someone who's kind of measured and calculated and thoughtful like yourself, are you going in Perth because of FOMO or have you really taken a step back and tried to understand the Perth economy, its diversified um, aspects and and really made a, a sound decision? No doubt the answer is the latter, but I'm just trying to unpack your thoughts on Perth. Absolutely, PK. And I believe like when we look at kind of story without understanding data, can be either way, right? Like we hear things about, like you should buy in this area because lot of things, yeah. or you should not buy because of things. But when you delve into kind of that and understand what what really happened in Perth, maybe as you said, in like previous cycles, and that's where you would see really reliance on mining, for example, and really demographic was different, uh, shortage was different back then. Now, now if you look at Perth, so we have we have all these factors. Economy is much stronger, more diverse, as as you always say. And also, we really have that kind of shortage in supply. So for me, it really looks looks really promising. Like, like we can see a lot of steam in, in, in the tank, as as you would say. But when you delve into really data, like if you would compare it to different capital cities, and that's if you look, for example, who would 
who are the current investors in Perth, right? You see, it's not it's not only local, it's not only the interstate buyers. You also have uh, foreign investors as well coming to Perth. And that's where you delve into why do you have foreign investors coming to Perth? And you see all these factors, lifestyle, quality of life, um, affordability. You know? So that's where you see, okay, so there is really some momentum going in Perth. If you delve into a few layers beneath that, you see really potential there in, in Perth. And you and you also start to see that actually, even though we think that it's like this amazing quote unquote hot spot, and that all that investors are pro- propping up property prices, actually investor activity is so much lower in Perth than it is in Sydney and New South Wales right now than it is in even Queensland right now. So actually, the lion's share of gains in the Perth property market are being driven by owner occupiers. And and these are like, like you alluded to, a lot of them are actually migrants from the UK, from places like uh, China, like India, from New Zealand. And they're actually Uh building a, a, a home for themselves in Perth. And they're not they're going out and doing fly in, fly out work at the Pilbara. They're actually just tapping into the other parts of the economy, which really wasn't the case. So it's in such a big degree back in 2011, 12, and 13. And I think people forget that, I mean, if this boom uh, hasn't really boomed even, but if this like sort of surge carries on for five, six, seven years, and I'll be the first one to, and I'm sure you will too, to say, look, Perth is a bit overcooked. It's time for a correction. And that's really what didn't happen, you know, when it boomed in the last decade from, you know, leading up to 2010, it didn't have a correction, then it boomed again. So there was two booms with no correction in the middle. So it was always ripe for, for a fall down. And I think it was a bit silly for anyone to to invest in Perth in 2013-14 and not expect a, a bust. But I think people should see the forest from the trees and understand these cycles, like you mentioned as well, as opposed to just saying on a blanket broad brush statement that Perth is just a boom and bust town. So I think you know, you've done you've done terrifically seven. I didn't actually know you had seven properties now. So that's that's amazing. And I'm just going to go sort of back to the start of your journey where you sure. were kind of like it was all over the place and people were trying to sell you stuff. There's all those people still exist. In fact, times it by probably 10 or times it by 100. There's so many more property companies. Sure. What would be your advice um, to like someone who's maybe in your shoes eight or 10 years ago and is sort of maybe even contemplating giving up or just like contemplating handing the keys over to someone who's going to buy them a house and land package because they think, oh, this is all too difficult. I'm just going to take a stab, trust this company. What's your advice to someone who's just kind of, you know, swimming in that sort of real confused state at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, first, I would have really full empathy because I can really remember how, how difficult it is. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I believe is, unfortunately, the industry is, in my view, under-regulated. So there is a lot of people trying to sell you into something. So the key thing is to build your own knowledge, your, your mm. own education. Try to find a truly independent education, right? Most of those kind of uh, firms, they kind of uh, self-market themselves as, as independent, unfortunately. But you need to really make sure that the advice or the content or the education you are receiving is from an uh, from someone independent was not trying to sell you into any, anything and try to really listen to different views. It's fine. It's fine if you go and attend those kind of similar workshops, but go with a critical mind, right? Mm-hmm. Go try to, to understand really what can go wrong. Probably that, that kind of is, um, the safe way. Don't jump into action before you really have built your own education knowledge. 
also confidence. It's okay, in my view, to outsource the process or get someone to help you. Maybe outsource is not it's not really the right word. It's okay to get help from professionals to help you, but you have to be, as as BK, you usually call it, the captain. You have to be the owner of your own journey. Right? So you have to be aware of your goals, objectives, situations, all these considerations, pros and cons, and then you can assign tasks for different professionals, but you can't just hand, hand the keys to them because no one would really uh, care about your money. No one would care about your well-being more than yourself. That's really reality. So always always uh, kind of have that or or take that input with a grain of salt. Don't take things for the face value and have that kind of critical mind. Yeah, critical journey. thinking. I don't think anything can replace critical thinking and and just problem solving. Uh, I don't think it's a wise decision to do my course and then just follow it blindly either, without actually understanding like the root cause of why I'm saying what I'm saying and almost like respectfully challenging some of the concepts as well. Because when you kind of rub up against something, you know, then you, there's a kind of constructive friction. And that's when you really learn. And if you're really awesome. going to build a property portfolio like yourself, seven properties or even more, then you got to internalize this stuff. Like it needs to really like the gears need to click. It really needs to like make sense exactly. in your head. You can't just go off on a whim, you know, every single time. So I'm, I completely agree with with what you're saying um, there. And and what's sort of your your real estate plans for the next? I don't know, like twelve months, five years, ten years. Like I know you said before, yeah. you're not really there to build an empire. You're just you're obviously trying to you know, fund your own principal place of residence. Um, does that mean another three investment properties and then you sell some or like what's the plan there? Yeah, the plan is, as you said, maybe buy a few and then down the track, pull some equity to, to buy my place of uh, residence. Mm -hmm. And then I would like to focus on development. Because that's, okay. that's an area I would like to venture into. And I believe we need we need more more stock in Australia. So that's yeah. what, what I'm hoping to get. And also helping really others. This is where I believe that we all get to kind of pay back the community in terms of helping others. It is it's kind of very rewarding when you help someone to avoid those mistakes. Like when someone calls you, like I got this kind of uh, deal from from someone. Like, no, this is not a good deal, man. Don't <laughs> don't go there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> go invest in your knowledge. Read first, etc. Et I believe this is kind of my my focus. Yeah, amazing. No, I just want to say congratulations, of course, Al. Um, and and also like you're you're always sort of like you just said, you're always helping other whether it's clients in our private community forum or even on the Facebook group, which is obviously free for everyone. You're always kind of chipping in and and adding value there. So thank you so much for for being a great community member. And um, like I always say as well at the end of these um, episodes, please get in touch with with Al Al because like. He can sort of help guide you in the right direction, just be that sounding board. Of course, he's a busy guy, so I don't all sort of ask him at the same time, but he's a genuinely nice person. And I think it's hard Thanks, to Peter. find really nice people sometimes in, in this industry. <laughs> so I'm just really, really happy for you. <laughs> Thanks, BK. Thanks to you as well for all your help and support and care for everyone. So much appreciated. No, no problem. Um, thank you. And thank you for your time. And and guys, thanks Pleasure. for listening. The inspiration is really to get your sort of fuel up, you know, the fire in the belly to hit the gas. But then you need the education to figure out exactly where to turn, how to turn, how much to turn by. So both those things are required. You know, people like Al are just a great, um, I would say, testimony to like what 
how should I say this? How critical thinking, you know, meets inspiration, meets ethics, like these three, you know, in the confluence of these three sort of factors, what that can result in. So, yeah, amazing work. Thank you once again. Thanks, Thanks speaker.